Welcome to Bat Therapy, psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and educator and comic aficionado Keaton Hopkins. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and social media and find our Patreon at patreon.com slash therapy. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. So I am pretty excited about today because when we were prepping for it, it it was taking me back to our first two seasons when our topics were super psychology, mental health related um, versus our, our most recent ones have been more like comic related and we pull in the psychology. So I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So I was going to ask you how you felt when I said I wanted to do this character because he's 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 not very famous he's definitely one of those that's lesser he's a lesser known character but at the same time mm-hmm. just about every single iteration of batman it, when it comes to things being animated or even gotham he shows up so yep. we, we're today we're going to be talking about arnold wesker also known as the ventriloquist and his puppet Scarface. That's who we're we're doing today. And yes. he's always been a favorite of mine because he creeps me out. Dolls have always creeped me out, whether that was child's play or <laughs> those goosebumps episodes with the dumb diet of the living dummy and oh, all sure, the, yeah. or puppet master. Like dolls have always freaked me out. And well, so yeah. Well, and to be fair to you, a ventriloquist dummy is innately quite creepy looking, usually. Yeah, I do, it's I the mouth. Know. Is that it? I yeah, think it's the mouth. I guess, I it's think probably, probably the mouth. Right. Yeah, but yeah. also this one that happens to have a giant scar on his face. Like it's it's one thing to be like a ventriloquist dummy that's like happy go lucky and like ah ha <laughs> and making horrible jokes. Like yeah, like my friends that like Jeff Dunham and. Ah, yeah. I still just wonder. I don't get it, but whatever. Anyway, I'm sure Jeff Dunham's a nice guy. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the times, like I'll see a ventriloquist dummy and I'm like, this is dumb. But then mm. when it comes to Wesker and Scarface, I see it and I am creeped out. I'm creeped <laughs> out and I'm like, see, this is that side of Gotham that I really want to be far away from. Like, yeah. It's clowns are bad enough, right? Like the Joker and 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 all of that. That's bad enough. Mad Hatter gets creepier, and then Ooh, once we get to one. like, and then by the time we get to the end of the spectrum, where I'm just like, nope, nope, powerful nope. <laughs> that's where Ventriloquist <laughs> and Scarface comes in because hmm. what's also interesting about Arnold Wesker is. It's like a multiple personality kind of thing. And I, I, this is definitely your your yeah. realm of expertise. But what's really funny is when I was researching and doing the mm-hmm. backstory for Scarface, there, there's been several different iterations 
of how all of this came to be. Uh, yeah, so I, okay. So how did I feel when you first brought this up? So I was definitely intrigued to do this character. And then I went, oh no, I'm going to have to brush up on some things uh, to figure this out. Because he's, <clears throat> he's definitely more psychologically complicated. And one of the things I want to clarify is that I think part of what makes him complicated is because he's a lesser known character with clearly some sort of psychologically complex stuff going on at the same time. So there's definitely something happening for this guy and you don't always have enough information to clearly suss it out. So it'll be interesting to hear based on the different versions of him, um, how, how that kind of impacts things. Cause so, okay. I've talked before about how everyone's favorite diagnosis is previously multiple personality disorder, now dissociative identity disorder. So essentially you have one physical body and essentially these separate identities within the same body. And you might be seeing where I'm going with something that complicates this guy, um, but you have one essentially person, but at least one other identity. And, and due to this, there are gaps in memory and essentially things that are owned by one of the identities. So you don't necessarily always know what the other one's doing. Um, so the, one of the complicating things with this guy is, um, it's not in the same body. And so, um, one of the things that I find really interesting about him is what is actually going on? Because they definitely suggest that in some places they talk about it as a separate identity for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it almost seems like he's like projecting a persona right onto a doll or a puppet. Or I think at one point he doesn't have the doll. So he has like a sock puppet at one right. point in one storyline. Yeah. Um, so a- another question is, is this definitely an identity that kind of comes from the same person and they're they're You add them together and it's kind of one entity. Um, or is it almost, you've got this guy and he has a voice in his head that's so strong that he ends up projecting it somewhere else, but it's, a, it, it's not him, right? You know, almost like a psychosis where it's like, I'm hearing the voice of this other person, but I'm also this skilled ventriloquist and therefore I'm, I'm putting it into this doll. I don't know. Yeah. It depends on the storyline, how much information you get to help answer that question. Yeah. And the, the thing that's funny is the original storyline for that puppet, it, it, it's like a supernatural thing because there was a Blackgate Penitentiary inmate named Donegan that was doing like, I guess, uh, carpentry work in his spare time well he was given a book on ventriloquism to and he started practicing and then he decided to make a ventriloquist dummy and so he picks up a piece of wood but the piece of wood that he picks up happened to be um an old part of the gallows that they used to execute people Mm. with at blackgate and so they almost make it seem like this doll 
ends up uh, possessing Arnold um, instead of it being. Oh, so more one of those like Gotham weird supernaturally things. That's how it started. That's how it started. And then it was one of those things where the character didn't appear in a ton of things. And so by the time he, I think what really repopulized him a lot was when he showed up in Batman, the animated series. Yeah. There's some great stuff with him in there. Yeah. And in Batman, the animated series, uh, Arnold Wesker is absolutely terrified of Scarface. And that's the one that's the most interesting to me. I like this version of him a lot more than the, Oh, he's supernatural possessive doll, which is also mm. just super creepy and not interesting. Like that's just creepy. Do you mean I not like interesting creepy... or you have to keep your lights on when you go to bed? No, I no. I'm I honestly never like lights on. I'm yeah, <laughs> I don't I I don't even like lights on right now, but oh, okay. we're, we're doing mm-hmm. a zoom and so we can't you gotta be able to see me. Like I get it. I get it. But otherwise, like it doesn't, all right, all right. It, it's called a bat cave, right? Like, it's not, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, tunnel. I'm a not that, creature. <laughs> that's interesting about the kind of supernatural thing. Um, I, I think I like both of those premises in their own right. I mean, part of me likes getting away from it being a clean cut, like, oh, this is a component of his own personality, or, um, I don't know, that that lends an in- intriguing premise um that i don't know i i just like those components in comic books uh versus real life um but i definitely agree with you that there's something i really like about the animated series and and i too i also like more where scarface and the ventriloquist don't seem to be on the same page um uh like Arnold Wesker being this very timid, scared, um, doesn't want to overstep Scarface and Scarface kind of taking control. It's a very interesting back and forth that they have. Yeah. Um, and once again, how 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 Scarface is is in existence really, I think, affects how you view that. So are these different parts of Arnold Wesker competing and fighting with each other? Or is he essentially almost like um, an auditory hallucination that in order for Arnold to try and cope with it, he essentially puts it onto the doll so he has this like physical representation of what's going on for him internally. Well, what's interesting is like Scarface is the boss, right? He's definitely the boss. And it's to the point that even when Arnold is pleading with Batman, because when Batman shows up and doesn't understand anything, he's Batman's basically like, all right, I'm going to break your glasses on your face and then I'm going to throw you in jail. Like that's Batman's, that's his yep. normal go-to, right? Like that's his baseline, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to beat you up and throw you in jail. Like the Riddler, like, yes, I'm very smart. I'm going to answer your riddle. Then I'm going to beat your ass and I'm going <laughs> to throw you in prison. Like that's, that's what he does. Like, he's like, yes, I'm smart. 
and then I'm, you're going to catch these hands. Like that's bat. That's Batman's whole thing. And so it's really funny when he first sees Arnold and Arnold's just like absolutely terrified of him. And he's yep. like, yeah, I bet you are because you know what's up. And then all of a sudden he realizes like, oh, this guy's actually terrified of mm-hmm. Scarface. And what's interesting is I think they also mentioned like how good a really good ventriloquist is able to throw their voice. And yep. so it sounds like their voice, their voice is coming from a different area. And it just really throws Bruce off. It throws him off so much. And it's so fun seeing him because we're also the first time I had ever heard of Ventriloquist and Scarface was through Batman, the animated series. And so I was really thrown off, too. And I remember as a kid watching it and being creeped the hell out. Yep. So I have I have something that I would love for us to talk about with him. Um, so, so you, you have the ventriloquist and Scarface and what's going on there. You also have his crew. Yeah. So Scarface is in charge, not just of himself and the ventriloquist. He also has his own like cronies that he's in charge of. And I find it very interesting to think about who, who would be on board. Who would be on board? Now I know it's Gotham, but still, yes. who would be on board for to to work with Scarface? Because I mean, think about I mean, there's even conversations within the animated series episodes where I think in in the initial introduction episode for him, um, one of the guys working for them starts talking to the ventriloquist, talking to Arnold, and and they, there are essentially these conversations where they're all like, no, 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 remember Scarface is in charge. Like, I just wonder about what kind of person is working for Scarface because there's a, there's a lot that you would have to accept here that, I mean, honestly, if it wasn't Gotham, might be near <laughs> impossible. Well, I was, I so I actually thought about this and I chuckled quite a bit because first things first, like I feel like as far as henchman job pools go, there's a lot of overlap between probably Two Face and Scar and Scarface ah, and the Ventriloquist, right? They might dip into the same pool for their henchmen, huh? Right, right. Because like every henchman, like it's it's just like Gotham henchmen is just like the real world, right? Because it's like, oh, how do you feel about warm weather? And it's like, okay, I really like warm weather. Okay, you might not want to work for Mister Freeze, right? Do you have do you have a lot of allergies during the spring? Yes, I do. Okay, you might not want to work for Poison Ivy, right? Is are you not a big cosmetic person? Very all natural. Joker Harley Quinn might not be your squad, right? And so I, I think it's definitely a lot of I, there's Eden. definitely a lot of overlay when Eden. it comes to the Eden. henchman. Yes. Can we pause here and say before we wrap up? I know we're in fall now and we're still doing summer villainy, but. I mean, we might need to do Gotham henchmen for one of oh, our episodes. Absolutely, we can. How have I, we not even thought of that? <laughs> I, I, I think about. <laughs> I honestly probably think about the life of a Gotham henchman every single day because the thing is, <laughs> in my mind, they have a resume. Oh. In my mind, they definitely have a resume, and they're like, "Yeah, I've had my arm broken by Batman three times." So clearly, <laughs> I'm loyal and I'm hardworking. That I'm back. 
again. Oh, yeah. We're definitely... Okay, we got to pin this now so we have time for... For Scarface and the Ventriloquist, but oh man, do we need to do an episode on that? But yeah, but yeah, but going back to that, I don't think the henchmen care because the henchmen are like, I mean, money is money. As long as I'm getting paid. That's true. I don't even care. That's a really great point. The weirdest thing, and, and I say weird affectionately, I think everybody's got their weird, but the weirdest thing about Scarface and the Ventriloquist is, okay, so this doll is in charge. But essentially every other villain that you would be working for, there's a whole lot of extra weird going on. Yeah, at least and it's a not a giant more... crocodile. Exactly. It's not a giant <laughs> crocodile. Also, um, in the grand scheme of things, you don't have to worry about getting killed by your boss. You know, he, he seems... Oh, he, he's... I mean, he's safe. Scarface's gun is real. Well, his gun's real, but he doesn't point it at his own people the way that everybody else seems to do with their henchmen. And and a lot of his crimes seem like the kind of basic, like, burglary, robbery stuff. Standard versus... mafia type stuff. Yeah, it's not, you know, the Joker trying to murder half of yeah, Gotham. Yeah, it's not poisoning Gotham's water supply. He's just robbing banks yeah. and yeah. knocking off liquor stores and stuff, you know? Yeah. Just, just normal criminals. Yeah, normal felonies. No big deal. Yeah, he's not Honestly, a terrorist. Once again, in Gotham, that probably gets you what one to two years. Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, well, and honest. Well, it's funny because I feel like it's um, it's one of those things. Like, is he a? It, a lot of the times, you hope to go to Arkham because you know you're out of mm. there in a week and a half. Blackgate, uh-huh. you pull time at Blackgate. But yeah. at the same time, since it's Gotham, it's not hard to catch a insanity charge. It's yep. easy. It's so easy there. It's so easy. Yep. It's like, oh man, I breathe Joker gas. I robbed three banks. Yep. What am I to do? Like you know, it, like, the lawyer's like, these guys followed a doll. Clearly, <laughs> right. right? Clearly, clearly, they're yep. not fit. I like to, to think stand of it trial, though, right? as Look at these lovely henchmen who are open and accepting to the unique qualities of Arnold. And they just, they say, you know what? We're going to embrace this for what it is. Because at the end of the day, like you said, money is money. Oh, yeah. By far, Gotham definitely by far has the most liberal criminal base. Absolutely. (laughs) Very open-minded. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Completely understanding of mental health issues. Like, they're just, (laughs) it's okay. It's okay. Here we accept you and your doll for who you are, right? Because yeah, scars and all. At the end of the day, they're just trying to get paid. And yeah, even though this ventriloquist guy and his doll that is terrifying is (laughs) weird, it's still way better than the other ones. Where it's like, oh man, I forgot to turn up the therm. Turned down the thermostat before Freeze got back, and he's going to freeze me to death. And that's that. Mm, yeah. Right? And, you know, there, there's also, there's something comforting about the weird you know. You know, okay, the weirdness <laughs> is out in front. There's no question about it. You don't have to wonder what's going to pop up. Um, so, yeah, in Gotham, there's always a, a shoe that's going to drop. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we already... We already see what the situation is here. <laughs> yeah, and it's and the thing and the thing is, it's like also with the ventriloquist and Scarface, you're, you're thinking also, you know what? 
this might work out because Batman has bigger things to deal with. Fair. Very fair. You know, that that would be my call. I'm like, oh, ventriloquist just robbing a bank? Yeah. You know what? Joker just kidnapped a hundred people. Surely they won't care about me stealing this ATM, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and and <clears throat> yeah, Arnold is is definitely treated differently than other villains too. And and once again, there's the argument: is he the villain? Right. You know who's the villain in this situation? And so clearly, um, clearly. Arnold knows what he's doing is wrong. So sometimes when there's some sort of mental health condition going on, you're not even really aware that you're doing something wrong. And so legally um, you're going to be less culpable due to that mental health situation or whatever it is that's impacting your judgment. Um, So he clearly knows what he's doing is wrong, but he also, you know, there's this part of him that seems to not want to do crime. Yeah, he's and terrified. Is, and is being forced to do it. He's terrified. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to say. Like, one of the things that's interesting about these episodes is Arnold is absolutely terrified of Scarface. He's yeah. terrified of Scarface. He does not know what Scarface's plans are. He's, he's like, yeah. he doesn't tell me where he keeps the money. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell me anything. I'm just in the dark. And completely terrified by him but what's also weird is he has this connection to him where he can't let go of him yeah like he's absolutely terrified of him but the yeah. idea of that doll being thrown in a wood tripper chipper mm-hmm. or or ran over by a train absolutely terrifies him one thing that i thought was really funny when i was researching so with batman the animated series they really had to watch violent content yeah but because Scarface was a wooden doll, ah. they allowed them to be as violent as they wanted to. And so they were what? like, let's throw him in a wood chip or let's run him over with a train. They actually got <laughs> to have fun and be really dark with it because they're That's like, funny. oh, it's just a ventriloquist puppet. It's fine. That's funny. And you know, <clears throat> actually, some of the things that you're talking about lean toward there being some sort of dissociative um diagnosis or dissociative symptoms happening so um there is the fact that okay the doll at least in most iterations of what we're dealing with the doll cannot act on its own and it's seen as as him being the ventriloquist and and you even see his arm moving the arm for example of Mm -hmm. scarface now still arguably it's scarface in control of what's going on But the fact that Scarface is doing things and the ventriloquist has no memory of it and isn't aware of what's going on and is a separate entity in certain ways does actually lean towards some sort of dissociative something. It's not kind of that clean, clear-cut dissociative identity disorder like you usually see it. Um, But a lot of these things aren't as clear-cut as you might usually see. You usually then refer to them as unspecified um, because... You know, we try and put things in boxes and there's always something just out of the ordinary, quote unquote, ordinary out there. But it does argue for that versus if he was just hearing a voice in um, in his head or hearing a voice out there and he was putting it to the doll, it wouldn't explain the fact that then all this other stuff is happening. Like the crimes are getting 
um, planned and Scarface is doing these things or these things are getting done. And as long as Arnold is in fact being truthful about not knowing about these things, there's definitely some sort of dissociative um, piece happening where he does not have a memory of what's going on. It's as if he's not there. So one thing I will say that's interesting because I started off talking about how the Scarface dummy came about because this mm. guy Donegan mm-hmm. made him. Well, Arnold Wesker's backstory is when he was a kid, his parents took him to the shipyard, something happened, they both got hit by a truck and died and he saw yeah. it happen and it was extremely traumatizing and he was extremely timid and he just had a lot of trauma and he got thrown into jail with as Donegan's cellmate after mistakenly killing someone in a bar fight. Well, mm. Donegan had this puppet, which at the time was named Woody. And why is that creepier to me than Scarface? Yeah. Oh yeah. It actually, yeah, it's really, it is an interesting story because what ends up happening is Wesker's basically suicidal and Woody starts talking to him Mm. and saying, no, instead of doing that, Mm -hmm. just escape. And Arnold's trying to figure out like, okay, what is going on here? Is this doll really talking to me? Mm. And then Donegan gets mad at uh, Arnold for messing with his ventriloquist puppet and tries to stab Wesker. Arnold and Arnold holds the doll up and he stabs the doll and gives Mm. it the scar. And at that moment, they say that is the birth of Scarface, like Mm. the, the, the dummy and he saved his life. Right. And so, well, and actually, uh, this is something that comes up a lot and it's something that, that comes up that can be a misconception that actually gets in the way of treatment is, we forget that almost everything in life, if not everything in life, is not purely good or purely bad or purely things that we want or purely things we don't want. It's usually some sort of mixture. It might lean strongly one way or the other, but um, thing you, you'd think that especially how Arnold Wesker and this and Scarface the doll interact, that that Arnold um would have absolutely no reason to want that doll around at all. And yet, despite, essentially, it's like this abusive relationship happening, despite all of that happening, this doll has saved his life. Um, this doll probably helps him live a pretty decently decent quality life, pretty comfortable living out there. Yeah. And also, you know, sometimes making the tough decision sucks. So sometimes it's nice for someone else to be in charge. Not always. I'm not saying it's always, but, um, you know, there, there's certain things you're not the one to blame if you're not the one making the decisions. Um, you don't have to deal with a lot of that stress or uncertainty. You're putting it on somebody else. So there are all these benefits that he is, is getting from Scarface. And it, it sounds like, you know, certain storylines, even from the very beginning, literally saving his life. And whether it's a part of himself or whether it's um, like a a voice he's hearing with some sort of psychosis or some combination of the two. um, Yeah, these these things are not always and usually they're not purely bad. 
um, it's always a blend. Um, so yeah, I find that really interesting that, um, it kind of pulled for him. Uh, and I, I was also seeing some things too, that, that Arnold Wesker in general tends to be withdrawn and really try not to have emotion in any way. And so being able to express it via Scarface might be really freeing to be able to do it in that sort of outlet versus mm. sometimes it feels risky to feel things on our own, especially if, you know, you've gotten angry and then you accidentally killed somebody. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, there's an episode of the of Batman animated suit. What's the new Batman adventures? And it's called mm. uh, Double Talk. I, and, that was my favorite. Yeah, because he gets out. And he's just trying to live mm -hmm. a normal life. And the henchmen um, show up and they're like, so where's Scarface? Mm -hmm. What's what's going on? Uh, and it's so it's so interesting because it's like. I was pulling for Arnold. I was pulling for him. I know. I, know. I was pulling for him so much. And it's just like, man. Came back again. So uh, let's highlight that, like, at one point I was like, look at you, Bruce Wayne, doing some actual good for this community versus yeah. just, like, punching people in the face. Because he gives. So uh, let's see. Um, Arnold's in a halfway house, I think, um, that that had the Wayne name on it. And he's working at Wayne Industries or Wayne Enterprises. Or, he's working somewhere. Um, and he actually talks to Bruce. Like, not only does, does Bruce give him a job, but it sounds like very directly and like has conversations with him and stuff. And um, so he's working in the office and and essentially being treated, it seems like, just everybody else there. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like there was a real attempt to help him be able to rehabilitate, which is is really cool. So, yeah, you end up really rooting for him and and not definitely not wanting Scarface to come back. And then those stinking henchmen and it, you know what it reminded me of it reminded me a lot of um when someone is trying not to use substances anymore so like they're trying to be sober in some way mm -hmm. and yet they're still living in the same place so they're they're crossing the same streets uh where they like used to buy booze or whatever it was um they're seeing the same people who are like hey Where's the old you? Where's yeah. the one that would go and have fun with us or get in a ton of trouble? Yeah. Um, and it really reminded me of that. And it just accentuates how hard it can be to make those longstanding changes when the environment around you is yes. still largely the same. Yes. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of how um I had a friend who was um an addict. Mm. And he actually went to rehab. And one of the things he told me was how in order to stay clean, he had to cut off all his old friends because yeah. they were just out there doing the same things mm -hmm. and living the same lifestyle. And he's like, if I'm trying to stay clean and I'm in that vicinity, eventually I'm going to fall off the wagon because it's just there. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just there. Yep. If I'm trying to stop drinking alcohol i can't just sit exclusively in sports bars all night right <laughs> like it's just i'm not saying it's impossible but it's making it a lot harder on yourself but it's making it a lot harder 
right? Now, what's bad is Arnold didn't ask for this. Those those henchmen yeah. just showed up. And I do like that in this episode, Bruce feels for him. Like, it's yeah. one of those things where he clear, like, in Batman the Animated Series, Arnold, like, is definitely a victim. He's definitely mm-hmm. a, a, a victim of of this, whereas a lot of the times in the comics, they still do this thing where they're like, is he? Yeah, the comics, he seems, he he's not innocent in yeah. the way, there was a true innocence about Arnold in the animated series. Yeah, that, and I really liked that. I really liked yeah. that it was just like, man, he does, he's terrified of this alter ego that that he has that just won't leave him alone and he just has so much anxiety and fear of him coming back even when he's like wakes up from a bad dream and sees Mm. his certificate of sanity from arkham which i think would be a great thing to just have on the wall like that would like look (laughs) y'all Like, I think that that's just one of those fun, I think, prop items that I would not mind having. Like, look, I have a certificate of sanity from Arkham. Signed I, by I have Hugo some Strange. clients who I think would find that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, he even has it and he's like, even he, even though he sees it, it throws so much self-doubt because I mean, you're having those nightmares. How can you not think, uh, I might not be sane. I might not be a hundred percent. And so here's the thing too. And, and actually there was this very, very small, quick thing that happened that caught my attention in that episode. I really like that episode. So when they released him, they said something along the lines of, you know, if, if we here at Arkham think that you're, you're, good you're good to go essentially then you know hopefully you can also take that on and they said something along the lines of like as as long as um as long as the scarface identity does no longer emerges or it or it stays essentially stays away i can't remember the exact wording but that actually really struck me because um that's not the best way to go about that um, there are a lot of times where you can't just make a, a symptom disappear. And right. especially, so let's, let's say, let's say, um, let's say it is like he's hearing a voice and then he, he manifests the doll to, to manage it. And then there's some like weird dissociative component to it as well. Um, okay. Well, in that case, there are actually a number of different experiences people might have where a lot of people will say, there's a voice and it's always there and I have to learn how to not listen to it or to respond in different ways. Or so if it's just a, as long as it stays gone, you're okay. It's like, okay, well there's also, it could be there and you find a different way to manage it. So they didn't really seem to help him with that. Or if it's actually more of like a, an odd um, an odd presentation of dissociative identity disorder and it's another component of who he is, if you're trying to clamp that down and not actually help him integrate that into the the kind of broader version of himself, it's going to come out again at some point anyway, because it's a part of him that 
you're essentially trying to force down, but right. it's it's him. And so it's going to come out in some way. So how do you help him integrate it? So there there was just a small little like little tinge right there that had me going, mm, so you guys are just asking for it. Poor guy needed a little bit more help than he probably got while he was at Arkham. Yeah. It's it's very very his it's very interesting his um his Batman the animated series side too because one thing that still just really intrigues me is how he's terrified of Scarface mm. but he will like Batman has to save his life because he will risk his life yes to save this doll yes. like to save this part of him and it just mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I just have a, I have a hard time grasping it like this, like you're clearly a victim of this person, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have this like insanely strong attachment, like, oh, yeah. but I cannot be without you. Yes. It's, it's a very toxic relationship. And, and that's how I like to see it is because we see those toxic relationships happen. And, and we also often struggle with being able to truly understand how people end up staying in toxic relationships, um, especially if it, there's clearly a, a victim and a victimizer. It's not always that clear. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of happening from both ends, but um, we get confused. Okay, we hear you that you care about this person or you maybe even love them, but see how they're treating you and how does that not factor in more? And But there are a lot of things that could be happening there. And yeah, you can, just like you can feel two emotions that feel like opposing things, like you can feel happy and scared at the same time. You can also really care about a person and also be also hate a person or Mm -hmm. also be afraid of a person um and so one of the things here that you were talking about the toxic relationship so yeah he's he's treated quite terribly by scarface but he has a he has a purpose he's there to serve scarface yeah and not only does he have a purpose but he also is not in control of anything scarface is making all of the decisions and um, the ventriloquist Arnold, his whole life is essentially being the ventriloquist. Who is a ventriloquist without their dummy? You're yeah. nothing. You're absolutely nothing. And he, how do you make even seemingly small decisions for yourself if someone else has been doing it for you for all this time? Right. And potentially even worse than that, not only would I have to make my own decisions, but I wouldn't even know who I was anymore. Because yeah. my entire identity was wrapped up in this toxic relationship, which often happens in those relationships. You become more and more isolated within the relationship. It's It becomes impossible to see things any other way. Yeah. It's really sad. And he's it's he's a character I wish that I saw more of. Because another thing that's interesting is at one point in one of the episodes, he manifests another personality and mm-hmm. another puppet to almost like counteract yeah scarface and he's friendlier it's definitely it's a it's a, a friendly puppet as a matter of fact 
isn't he doing like kids' birthday parties? I might be thinking of the Batman because uh, I there's don't know. I watched every single ventriloquist thing I could. So I watched the ones <laughs> from Batman the animated series and then I watched the ones from the CW show The Batman, like that cartoon series. Uh, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix right now. And they also have ventriloquist episodes and at one point Batman hears him throwing his voice and he bursts in and he's just like a little puppet at a kid's party. <laughs> Batman's That's like, cute. oh, I'm sorry. And all the kids are terrified because they're like, uh, Batman is at my at this birthday party. And it's just, <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah, he That's manifests hilarious. like another puppet to almost like counteract him. And I think, I want to say like Scarface returns and kills the other puppet. Like it's, <gasps> oh. yeah. It's like bad. It's some like Oh my god. Yeah, it gets it gets rough. But I think like in the end, like both of the puppets like end up, I think, dying, if you will. And and mm. so social identity disorder's always been very interesting because it's like even though these personalities definitely have ranking as far as the dominant personalities, mm. it's also interesting how they're still manifesting as a coping mechanism of some kind. Like Arnold still had that traumatic instance with his parents when he was a kid and it never really went away. It kind of reminds me of when we were um, talking about uh, Kevin uh, Wendell Crumb from Split and how all of those different personalities were manifestations of everything that he went through as a child being abused. Yeah. And essentially, what are these things that a child desperately needed to be able to manage? Right. Yeah. And and so, so I mean, one of, and we've talked about how dissociative identity disorder is one of those more controversial diagnoses. Um, so the way that the stance I kind of take with it is we have a reality of people that have these experiences and do we fully understand what's going on behind it? No, but we still have to help these people. And as, as best we can gather. Yeah. And I mean, if you even think about it, I mean, it can make sense where sometimes you might pull for certain parts of your personality to help you through different kinds of situations that might come up for you. And if a person really struggles with this, particularly if from a young age, they didn't have very many ways to defend themselves or make it through a situation. A lot of times children create fantasies for themselves. And so, you know, perhaps there's, I don't know, some sort of process where you have these just more extreme representations that actually um, split for a person. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of controversy around it. And the way that I see it is at the end of the day, if you have someone in front of you, if you've got Arnold uh, Wesker in front of you and he's needing help, okay, well, based on the things that you're experiencing, how do we, how do we help you maneuver your day to day as best you can, where, you know, ideally we find a way out of this toxic relationship that you have with Scarface. Okay, what are what are the options here? How do we help move this forward? And some in some cases depending on what works for him, maybe it's incorporating some of the things he values about Scarface into himself or uh I don't know, maybe there's some other kind of way. They they definitely 
with his character seem to treat them as two very separate entities. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, to fix Arnold, you destroy the dummy. But then the dummy ends up have, having to come back. And half the time, Arnold is is pulling, bringing the dummy back himself. Right. And so while they're separate, they're very much tied together. You, you can never fully have one without the other. And that's something that I've always noticed when it came to whether they called it dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder. Anytime we see it portrayed, it's always a good one and an evil one. Yeah. Right. There's always yeah. they're always doing that when in reality. What it sounds like it really is, is, hey. Here's a person. Here's what they're going through. Yeah. And here's this other version of them. Yes. That isn't going through that. Like if it's a timid person, there's this side of them. That's a very brave person. If it's a quiet, shy person, there's this one that's extroverted and extremely assertive. Right. And, and so it's, it's bad because the way it's portrayed in the media, it's always like, here's Dr. Jekyll. But here's Mr. Hyde. And people usually aren't like that. Now, now certain people are more likely to get themselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be real here. If you if you have someone who's more introverted, a quiet person, they tend to be pretty patient about things. Um, They tend to be uh, kind of more of a listen, think it through than respond. They're just generally going to get themselves into less scrapes than um, an outgoing person who is really passionate, but also because they're really passionate, because they're really outgoing, they just end up kind of in like, you know, getting into debates with people, um, which can get annoying for them. And and sometimes maybe they blow off the handle from time to time. So like one of those people is just more likely to end up with some conflict in their lives. And that's not a bad thing. It's just one of the things that comes with their personality versus the person who tends to be more to themselves. There are different drawbacks to their personality that might be less obvious. Like they're going to they're more likely to get stepped on. They're more likely to maybe get passed over for jobs because people don't get to know them as well. Um, So, yeah, certain people, the are just more likely to get obviously in trouble for things. And so they often get labeled as, okay, well, that's the troublemaker. That's the problem. Um, when really, you know, anything about us, it has pros and cons. So Scarface is obviously uh, the villain and Arnold seems to be along for the ride. Although once again, like we've mentioned in the comics, not so clearly the case. I feel like I feel like Arnold's actually kind of a henchman in the comics versus in the animated series. He's he's more kind of a prisoner in some ways. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I was as I was looking at Arnold, I was thinking about Batman and how in some of the Bruce Wayne personifications. Mm -hmm. If we didn't know that Bruce was just like putting on an act to be this like playboy, hardcore partier, you would almost think Batman and Bruce Wayne was a dissociative identity disorder kind of thing. The way that they're so different, the way that they're portrayed Mm. sometimes, like if we, like I said, we know that like he is clearly like acting, right? He's clearly like, oh, 
this is my Bruce Wayne persona, yeah. right? But when you look at how different Bruce Wayne and Batman are, I feel like if we knew that Bruce Wayne and Batman were the same person and didn't know that the Bruce Wayne part was an act, we would probably mm-hmm. wonder if there was something there. Well, and I, th- I think what you're getting at with this is the fact that it's always good to be able to relate to someone who has an experience that seems unrelatable to you. And I think right. I think a lot of times, one of the reasons dissociative identity disorder is hit on so much. One is it's a super convenient way to surprise, guess who's the murderer, which is one of the reasons it irritates me. That's your easy out. That's a lazy right. plot point. Yes. Was, yeah. <laughs> Very contrived. Um, So, yeah, that's one of my issues. But I think also people are like, oh, my God. And it's almost like this, like, look at this thing. Can you believe this is out there? And and so, like, they want to draw you in with this, like, whoa, it's so hard to believe. But it's good to try and relate ourselves to other people's experience so we can help each other and and connect and not isolate people. And so I, I like what you're trying to do there, which is essentially okay, we we create personas and we can get pretty extreme with them. Now, it might not have that dissociative piece. And so like dissociative kind of being like your consciousness almost kind of leaves you. Um, so one of the things they say is kind of like can get you a sense of what's kind of a light sense of like dissociating. Um, think about, you know, a place that you drive to all the time. And then you look back at your day and you're like, wait, how did I get here? I don't remember driving at all, right? So so we all have those kinds of moments. And so absolutely, we can create pretty extreme personas for ourselves. And then if you add in this component where we don't always have full control over ourselves, mm-hmm. if you put enough of these pieces together, then it makes sense. It could equal out to, okay, you've got these like strong shifts based on the situation at hand. Based on the situation at hand, what's most needed, then you mix in some unfortunate trauma where a person might get triggered by things and they might get pulled to dissociate or just kind of step away. This is too tough. And then that's not safe. So you gotta, if I'm retreating, what's going to stay here and deal with the situation? Plop in a persona. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you were saying, so Bruce is doing it on purpose and he he sees this as I'm putting on an act. And so for someone with dissociative identity disorder, they're not putting on an act. They are in actuality, right. these are both personas that are uh, that are them. Mm-hmm. Like it's in the same body, but different, like completely different um entities essentially. But yeah, yeah it's it's a lazy plot point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hopefully if it's done right, it you know, you can help people relate like to Arnold or, or connect to these characters and, and be like, you know what, just because these things go on that are hard for me to understand doesn't mean that I can't get to know this person or be intrigued by the character. And I like that you touched on that because, you know, we, we all go through things and mm-hmm. at times we pretend to be someone else. Like, and like you said, yeah. with dissociative identity disorder, it's not pretending. Right. right? But there are so many times when I'm hurting, right? Mm. But I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. I have to be around a bunch of people tonight. Mm. I'm going to be the funny guy, right? Ah, or uh-huh, uh-huh. I am 
upset and worried about something. And it's like, nope, you know what? I'm going to be the partier tonight. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you, it's like you, it's, it's like switches that you turn on and off when you need to. It's kind of like, and Mm -hmm. I think we were even talking about this before, like with the podcast, there'll be so many times I'll come on the podcast. And when I come on, I might not be doing well. Mm. Right. But when I come on, it's like, oh, well, now I'm podcasting, right? Like this is a now it's I'm almost, podcast, Keaton. Yeah, dun, now dun, 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 dun. Like, it's well, it's funny because it's almost like a safe space. It's yeah. it's almost like a, mm-hmm. a a safe space where you can like you might have to be someone different at your job. At your mm-hmm. job, you might have to be assertive and tell people what to do. When in reality, that's not the kind of person you want to be. Yeah, but it might have to be the person that you have to be there. Right. And so imagine that. So exactly. It, it, it's natural to have these different personas. And some t- so some people tend to be the, fairly the same across a lot of different things. Um, and then other other people will change quite a bit based on the situation that they're in. Um, and so imagine doing like you're talking about and then imagine that you really are just struggling in general with just a lot of internal noise going on. Emotionally, things are just really hard. Things feel overwhelming and unmanageable. And when things happen, you just reach your limit. The The front of your brain, the, the frontal lobe, the frontal cortex, where a lot of that higher order thinking happens can essentially like shut off on you if, if, if things get too intense. And then what can you fall back on? And so, you know, a lot of times... People might have, when they're emotionally triggered, have moments where they don't remember. They dissociate. And then for some people, that's when your personas say, plop, okay, here we go. Something's got to fill this space. Someone, Something's got to get us through. And this is what can do it. But there's not a problem with having pulling for different things to get you through a situation. But there's a problem with not being able to pull all of those different personas together into one cohesive thing. Then you start having things like, well, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, so to speak. Or in the case of the ventriloquist, depending on kind of where all of these things might be coming from for him, you might be ending up with having a Scarface. Yeah, it's very interesting just how much Scarface is just the polar opposite of Mm. Arnold. Right. It's a Disney movie, Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. And I'm educator and comic aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at Team JVS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. And don't forget our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bat therapy. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.